0: Welcome, everyone, um, to our service today. It's good to see you, and it's good to see uh, those of you who are here for the very first time. Welcome. Uh, We're so glad that you could be here. And those of you who are worshiping on Zoom and on YouTube, I hope that you've had a great time of spirit-filled worship as we have here. Um, We just want to bless you uh, this morning and the Sabbath. Um, Before we read um, today's scripture, which is in James, uh, we're in the book of James together in this season. I want to ask you all who are here, have you ever heard um, of a purple cow? Uh, It's actually a term that was uh, set by marketer Seth Godin. And what the purple cow is, is this. Um, You drive by a field uh, full of cows and you don't really notice each individual one because each cow is the same color. It's white and black and white and black and you keep driving past because they're all the same. Seth Godin asks, what if you found a cow as you're driving by? What if one of the cows was purple? If one of the cows was purple, you would probably take notice and not only take notice, you would probably stop your car and wonder, what in the world is this? A purple cow, I've never seen one before. You know, Mosaic, our uh, mission together as a church, our purpose together as a church is to reach and embrace and disciple men and women in the gospel. That's what we desire to do together. And in our passage that we're about to read today in James 2, James tells us that there's that second word, embrace. There's actually a kind of embrace that not only exists in the church, but there's also an embrace that exists in the world. You know, people in the world embrace one another. But he says that that kind of embrace is an embrace that is set by what he calls partiality, partiality. And that might be a word that you're familiar with, not familiar with, um, but it means that you're partial to one kind of person and partial against another kind of person. In essence, it's favoritism. And so James says that, well, if you look at the world, there is embrace in the world too. It's just that their embrace is set up in favoritism, in partiality. But inside of the church there is a special kind of embrace that exists inside of the church. It's gospel embrace. And so we don't pick and choose people depending on our preferences, and we don't pick and choose people to enter into our lives depending on how they benefit us. But there's a purple cow community in the world that God has put so that people stop and say, what is this? You see, there's embrace all over the world, in the world, but there's a special kind of embrace in the church that should make people stop and wonder what in the world is this and he says that's gospel embrace a kind of embrace that is not partial a, co- a kind of embrace that doesn't exclude people and include others on the way they look or where they're from um, but it's an embrace that is set up by the gospel and so that's actually the passage that we're going to look at sorry my mic is being all weird today and so if you turn in your bibles um, to james 2 we're going to take a look at the passage here in James 2, and we're gonna look at the first 13 verses. So please give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. James writes, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment this is the word of the Lord he talks about a purple cow community um, in the world and the purple cow community in the world is a is a kind of community that shows a gospel embrace a kind of embrace that you don't find in the world that is not partial to one person or another it's gospel embrace and that's what he's calling us here to have at mosaic in our community but in order for us to be that kind of community for us to be that kind of purple cow community What needs to happen is we need to expose the partiality that's in our hearts, and we need to destroy it. That's what James wants to do here in this passage. He wants to expose the partiality that remains in the church. It shouldn't be there, but it is there. He wants to expose it, and then he wants to destroy it. But the only thing that actually destroys partiality, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna look at exposing the partiality that's in our hearts. Why are we so partial? And why does that ruin this unique community that God has made in the gospel? And then how do we destroy it? And so brothers and sisters, let's bow our heads and ask God for help as we go into his word. Father, we come to your word, and when we come to your word, it exposes us. We feel shame when we're exposed. We feel bad. But Lord, Father, we pray, won't you speak in such a way that does expose us, but also covers us by the light of your word and gospel. And so today, Lord, we want to come, and we want to be changed. We ask you humbly, won't you change us so we make ourselves available, but we need your spirit, because we can't do it ourselves. So come, Lord, speak and change our community to be a light in the darkness. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at two things, partiality exposed in our hearts and then partiality destroyed in our hearts. And I just want to read you the first verse one more time in James 2, and he says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He's commanding us um, to let go of partiality um, in our hearts. The word partiality here in James, literally, it means to judge somebody depending on their face. Um, So, right now, because of how online dating is kind of operating, I kind of imagine him saying, don't swipe left (laughs) on people just because of the way that they look. I don't know if left is accept or reject, but uh, don't do the the bad one. Um, Depending on how they look, depending on their face, uh, that's what it means, that depending on how you look, depending on the external things, I receive you into my life or I reject you out of my life, depending on the outer things. He actually tells us a story about, um, he makes up this story, it's a hypothetical about someone who walks into the church and then another person who walks in right after him. Two men walk into the church and the first guy is a rich man, and you could tell he's a rich man by what he wears, and the second man is a poor man, and you could tell by what he wears. And so you could tell their status depending on how they're dressed. And he kind of depicts the church, the Christian community, the one who's supposed to have no partiality. Showing intense partiality and giving a seat of honor to the rich man and rejecting the poor man. Now, this has really nothing to do with the way we sit. It has nothing to do with seating. I thought about it. At Mosaic, I don't even know what is the seat of honor. It's definitely not the front row because if you look here, it's all empty and nobody wants to sit there. So I don't know what is the seat of honor in our church. But he's not really talking about seats, right? He's talking about who we embrace who we embrace into our lives and who we reject out of our lives. He's speaking against the kind of embrace that the the Christians sometimes show that is an embrace of partiality, partiality. It's it's a very difficult topic uh, for us to address in our hearts, and even when you look at the New Testament, it's probably the biggest issue. If you ask me, Pastor David, what is the biggest issue in the New Testament? What's the early church dealing with? That's the biggest controversy that they're trying to overcome. It's partiality. The biggest division is between Jew and Gentile. The Jews refusing to receive the Gentiles into their lives and into their community. They just don't understand how people who are different color than them, people who are, are from a different place and speak different languages, I don't understand how we could be a family. And there's this big rejection of people who are Um, Gentiles that's the biggest difficulty in the New Testament and I think you'd be hard pressed to find an issue that's more controversial than the Jew and Gentile divide (laughs) it woke up all the sleeping people like immediately we should do that on a regular basis (laughs) the Jew and Gentile divide you see it all over the place Um, and one of the reasons is, is this it's more intense than now You see, right now we have church buildings, and so when we listen to, like, James 2, and we hear him talking about the rich man and the poor man walking in, we imagine them walking into our church building, and we imagine them taking a seat in the front or last row, but actually in that time, they didn't have church buildings. What do they have? You had church in your living room. You had church in your home. And so when you receive the rejected someone into the church, you're talking about receiving them into a much more intimate space than what we do here at church. Um, You're talking about receiving or rejecting them out of your house, your home, your living room, and really um, in or out of your life. It's a very much more personal thing to say, you have to receive this person into your living room versus let them have a seat at your church. Peter had to deal with this, and um, Peter had to deal with this first. You see, Jesus really deals with Peter's heart because Peter is the leader of the church. And if Peter doesn't get this, then the rest of the church is not going to get it. If he doesn't exemplify it, then the rest of the church is not going to get it. He has to make sure he changes Peter's heart first or else everybody else doesn't have a chance. And so God brings him into Cornelius' house. Days on end, he gives him a vision of uh, people who are unlike him, foods that are unlike him, trying to convince him, Peter, you got to change. You have this narrow-minded understanding of what the family of God is. It's so narrow, and you have to change, not only for your sake, but for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the church. And so he really pushes Peter out of his comfort zone until Peter ends up at a Gentile's house, a man named Cornelius' house smells different, the food smells different, they're speaking a different language, the people look different, these are people that he's kept out of his life his his whole life. He's kept these kind of people away his whole life. And yet he's standing in Cornelius' house and he's dealing with the pressure to receive someone who was very unlike him into the center of his life and he stands in the middle of Cornelius' house, and I'm sure he's thinking, okay, I'm doing it, this is hard, but I'm inviting you into my life. And he says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. It took him a long time to get there, but he's standing in the middle of Cornelius' house, and he says, finally I get it, God does not show partiality. And I, swallows hard probably, I invite you into my life. He had to start with Peter. But now he's working on us, and he's working on you. And so the question I have to ask you is, who is your poor man? Who is the person that you have been excluding that God is now moving your heart to open your life to them? And it may be different for everyone, but I really ask you to try to visualize and identify who that person or people group is for you. You don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell each other, but in this sermon, my brothers and sisters, you have to know who you are keeping out, or the Word of God will not address you the way it needs to address you. You see, we have to admit that we carry these implicit biases about people and whole groups of people, that sometimes it's unknown to us due to sin. But we have to understand who that is for us. We have to know if it's a particular person. Maybe it's someone of a specific color or someone of a specific socioeconomic status. Or maybe it's somebody, some people of a certain personality that whenever you identify, oh, this person has that type of personality, you keep that person at an arm's distance. You have to know this sermon, who that is for you. I think that many of us would say, you know, I know that Jews had a hard time embracing people of a different race, and I I know that in James' example, they have a hard time embracing somebody of a different socioeconomic status, but for me, it's not really race or status. You know, I'm not really bothered by those things, but maybe you say, but I am really uncomfortable inviting people into my life who make me feel uncomfortable. People who make me feel uncomfortable. In essence, people who take away my comfort, I really can't do it. I really can't do it. Just people who make me uncomfortable, I just really can't do it. If that's you, then the Lord has something that he wants to say to you. You know, we keep people distanced because we have a really deep desire for comfort. And I want to first say that comfort is not a bad thing. When you listen to Jesus, what does he say before he's about to leave? He says, when I go, I will send you what? The comforter. I will send you the comforter, and he will comfort you. If you read 2 Corinthians, as soon as you open the book, what does it say? God is the God of all comfort. Comfort in and of itself is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a gift from God. He comforts us, and when we receive comfort, that's a gift from him. It's not a bad thing. But with all gifts if a gift becomes the ultimate thing, listen, if comfort becomes the organizing principle for how you organize your relationships, look at all your friendships. If all of your friendships are organized under this principle of they make me comfortable, so they are in my life. And if you can't rebel against that idol, and it's become the God of your relationships. It's become the God of your relationships. It's become the idol that rules over who you decide to connect with, relate with, invite into your life. And the tough thing about that is this. And I believe that this is one word that the Lord has given me to prophetically bring to our congregation today. If you have no space for uncomfortable people in your life, you don't have space for Jesus in your life. That's a tough reality. If you're unwilling to invite uncomfortable people into your life, you cannot follow Jesus because he himself will make you uncomfortable and he will lead you to very uncomfortable people. It's very difficult to be missional when comfort is your idol. You'll either embrace comfort or you'll abandon the mission of Jesus Christ. He says, pick up the cross and follow me. If comfort is your idol, it'll be very, very difficult. Is comfort the organizing principle for all of the relationships in your life? Do you invite people into your life that make you feel uncomfortable because there's a higher purpose than comfort? You have something that is more organizing and more foundational than comfort in your life. And therefore, you have uncomfortable people in your life because the Lord has called you to be salt and light. If not, then comfort is the God of your relationships. And the hard word I think that he has given me to deliver today is this, um, comfort, my brothers and sisters, comfort is either going to gobble up Jesus's mission in your life, or Jesus's mission in your life will gobble up your comfort. He's not gonna let us choose a middle way. Either Christ is going to become the organizing principle for our relationships or your comfort will be. It's time for us to examine our relationships. Have you only surrounded your life with people who make you comfortable? He's addressing that today as he says, my brothers and sisters, the embrace that you must have in the church must be a purple cow embrace, something that's not found out there. If you just embrace who are people who are comfortable into your life. There are plenty of black and white cows like that in the world. There are plenty of communities like that in the world. They're everywhere. That's how the world organizes relationships. And guess what? That means that Christians are no longer unique. Everybody else does that. But gospel embrace is a kind of embrace that embraces those who are outsiders and those who make you uncomfortable because you organize your relationships based on his mission. So how do we do that? The first part was exposing our partiality. The second part is how do we destroy that? It seems like so built into our hearts, right? It it feels so inerrant into who we are. So how in the world do we ever address it and destroy partiality in our lives? Well, James tells us the how at the very end of the passage. If you go to verse 12 to 13, um, this is what James says. After he gives the example, and he's about to close the section, he says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. First, he says, speak and act as if you're living under the law of liberty. Speak and act. It's kind of a way of saying live, right? The way you live. Live under the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? It's the gospel. So it's, it's another way of saying, this is how you defeat partiality. You have to live under the gospel. What does that mean? First, he says, well, it's not judgment. It's not judgment. You can't judge people, receive them into your life, and refuse them your life and friendship because of the way that you judge them. You can't do that. Read verse 3 and 4 again. It says this. If you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, he says, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts? Haven't you made yourself little judges then of people all around you all the time if you show partiality? And he says, why? Would you judge people like that when that's not how you have been accepted? You see, he says, what if God treated you like that? What if God judged you? Christians, he's talking to Christians here, my brothers. What if God judged you? Which one of us would be accepted? Which one of us would have been embraced if God treated us the way that we treat each other? None of us would be accepted. In verses eight to 11, He talks about if you fall in one aspect, you fall in all of it. Why does he bring that up? He's saying, guess what? If God judged us the way that we judge each other, then none of us would get through. Because even if you fall in one aspect of the law, you've been rejected from God altogether. We can't judge one another and evaluate one another depending on what we bring to the table. And so if we can't judge, then what are we supposed to do? He says that in your heart... Christians, in your hearts, mercy has to triumph over judgment. Mercy has to triumph over judgment. That word mercy for Christians is a very special word for you and me. It's the Greek word elios. And what mercy means is this. It means giving kindness to those who need it but don't deserve it. Giving kindness to those who need it but don't deserve it. You see, he's beginning to remind us of the gospel, because that's what the gospel is. That's how we were embraced by Jesus. We were given mercy because we needed it but didn't deserve it. And because he did that, all sorts of people you would never expect to be in the kingdom come into the kingdom. All the people that come into the kingdom are not the kind of people you would expect, They are those who are thrown away. They are the outcasts. They're the unworthy. They're the undeserving. Because why? The way of the kingdom is charity, grace, and mercy. And because of that, all these undeserving people are embraced by Jesus. All these undeserving people are invited in because the gospel is a gospel of mercy. And if you walk into Jesus' house, You see all sorts of people that you would never expect to find there that's what he says in verse 5 let's go to verse 5 together and read that together he says this listen my beloved brothers has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him he says Has not God chosen the poor to come in, those who are outcasts, those who you would never expect in Jesus's house? Aren't those the people who are there? Um, In the Hunchback of Notre Dame, not the original uh, version written by Victor Hugo, but in the Disney version, um, the woman's name, um, her name is Esmeralda. And uh, she's kind of the main woman character in there, kind of opposite um, of Quasimodo. And she is a gypsy. She's a gypsy, which is kind of this group of people that are um, not r- really accepted by anyone, by any country, these gypsies. They are, they are really outcasts in the places where you find them. And she's a gypsy, an outcast of society. Bad things happen to her, but nobody cares because she's a gypsy. And she's running away um, in that movie from someone who is chasing her, and a lot of wrong has done been done to her and she runs away and she runs into the cathedral of Notre Dame and she runs into the cathedral and she is looking for sanctuary there and in that place she sings a song Uh, the song is called God help the outcasts and let me read you a couple of lines uh, from the song song that she sings she's running away uh, from those who are pursuing her and she sings this she says I don't know if you can hear me or if you're even there I don't know if you would listen to a gypsy's prayer. Yes, I know I'm just an outcast. I shouldn't speak to you. Still, I see your face and wonder, were you once an outcast too? God, help the outcasts hungry from birth. Show them the mercy they don't find on earth. God, help my people. We look to you still. God help the outcasts, or nobody will. She goes into the cathedral of Notre Dame, and she's looking at the stained glass windows, telling the story of the gospel, and why does she hope that God might show her mercy? Why does she hope that God might just give her some grace and receive and embrace her? Because she looks at the stained glass windows, and she sees the gospel story. She's looking at Jesus, and she says, I wonder, I wonder maybe nobody receives me as an outcast, but I wonder maybe, would you? Because weren't you an outcast once? Weren't you an outcast once? And she wonders, maybe does Jesus identify with me? Because he who was the consummate insider made himself an outsider to receive the poor. And she says... Maybe you would show me mercy. Maybe you would understand me. God, help the outcasts hungry from birth show them mercy that we don't find on earth. You see, she's saying nowhere else on earth is there mercy shown to me. But here maybe is a purple cow community where mercy is the organizing principle and not partiality. Maybe here outcasts can be received in. And isn't she right? Because that is the gospel story. That is the gospel story that Jesus left his comforts, his divine comforts to come and embrace those who are poor. Isn't that the gospel story that saved you and saved me? You see, that is our story. And should not those who have been saved by this kind of mercy be open to embrace those who are outsiders? So how can mercy triumph over judgment? How can we defeat partiality? How is partiality defeated in our lives? It's only by the gospel. You see, you can't force yourself to open your life up to people who are uncomfortable. You could try to force yourself, but it won't really work. You can't force yourself to do it. In fact, if you try to guilt yourself to do it, you're going to be really frustrated. I could try to guilt you into it right now, but it's only going to be a very short-lived guilty conscience. It doesn't work. We've all tried it, right? Trying to guilt ourselves to do certain things, it doesn't work. You can't force yourself to do it. So how do you do it? I saw a bumper sticker on a truck once, and it said this. The bumper sticker said, If you can't see my mirrors, then I can't see you. If you can't see my mirrors then I can't see you. Trucks have these blind spots, and if you can't see the mirror, then the truck driver can't see you. James is saying that here in this passage. You can't force yourself to include outsiders into your life. You can't force yourself to include uncomfortable people in your life. If you don't see the gospel, then you'll never see them. If you don't see the gospel, then you'll never see them. The gospel is what makes them visible to you and opens your heart to include them, because the gospel is what tells you, when you look at people who are outsiders and make you feel uncomfortable, it makes you identify with them. It makes you say, that's me, I'm you. But Jesus Christ, he received me when I was not deserving, but needed a relationship with him. If you can't see the gospel, then you'll never see them, and you'll always organize your relationships on partiality, but if you see the gospel, then you will see them, and you'll identify and understand what it means to have mercy, triumph over judgment in your life. The Lord has called us to be a purple cow community in this world. The Only way to do it is to stare at the gospel, And in that, he'll change us to be the kind of community that outsiders need. Let's go to him in prayer um, before we come to the table together. I just want to encourage you to um, go to the Lord in prayer and and to really ask, um, Lord, who is the outsider um, that you want me to think about? What does the sermon mean mean for me? Um, Who is the person that you want me to think about? And I just encourage you to to take this time and to spend some time in repentance and reflection as you uh, receive the gospel. Um, And let's go to him and say, Lord, open my heart and open my hands and open my life um, to be a person of gospel embrace. Let's take some time to pray before we come to this table. As we come to the table, I uh, want you to take the gospel message that you have just preached to us and want you press it on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, if you're at home and you're joining us, please go get your uh, communion elements and we're all going to take communion together. If you're here in person, uh, please get the communion elements that were on your seats. It's easier if you take out the wafer first and then you open up the cup. It makes it a little bit easier. But today we're all going to come take communion together. Uh, a time and a gift from the Lord and this is why. You know, as you're holding um, the communion elements in your hand, I just want to share you one application uh, from our passage today. You know, for our church, I wasn't going to say this here, but You know, even at the time of COVID, the Lord has really blessed our church. We've seen people come to faith. We've seen brothers and sisters baptized, saved in the gospel, even at the time of COVID. We just had membership class. We just had 11 people take membership class. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna be inviting 11 people into the community of Mosaic. You know, even though it's COVID, The Lord is not on vacation. He's still working, and He's bringing people into the fold, and He's bringing people into the kingdom and our church. He's bringing outsiders inside. And I wonder, as He's doing that, are you on the same page as your Lord? If you're an insider here at Mosaic, if you've been to our church, and you're part of our church, and you kind of feel at home here, I wonder, would you be on the same page as our Lord Jesus Christ? Should you not embrace his children that he's bringing into our church? Think about your relationships inside the Mosaic community. Is it defined by comfort and partiality? Have you forgotten your story already? Your story of being an outsider brought in, I just want to ask you to apply the message to our community as well as your own individual life i would love it if if 10 15 people emailed me tonight and, and said pastor dave i had no idea i haven't been to church in over a year and i haven't i didn't know all these people were coming to our church i didn't know that there were new people at mosaic i had no idea i don't know who these outsiders are who are coming in the lord is bringing them in, I I didn't know that. But could I have a couple of their names? Could I have a couple of their email addresses? Because I would like to embrace them. I would like for them to feel at home. I would like for them to feel the embrace of the gospel. Isn't that how the Lord is calling us to um, apply the embrace of the gospel? When we come to the meal here at Communion, it's so helpful because everything that I just said about receiving people in, He does for us at this table. You see, we need more than just a message of gospel embrace. We need more than just the facts of embrace. We need the feel of it. Just like we need more than to just be told, Welcome to Mosaic. You're part of our family. You know what, there are so many layers of insecurity in us, there are so many layers of experiences of rejection in our life that you don't believe it until you've been hugged and embraced into community and invited to things. It's hard for you to believe, isn't it? Welcome to Mosaic, part of our family. It's hard until you've actually felt it um, in real ways. Um, If you're an insider at Mosaic, I encourage you, let today's message move you to embrace those who are on the outside. And as we come to the table, Jesus does it for us because instead of just preaching to us the gospel of embrace, he invites you to a table where he gives of his body and blood and he invites you to a, a meal with him where he says, here by my own sacrifice, I invite you to be brought in. I'll leave my comforts. I'll leave my comforts behind so much, my body and my blood will be broken and spilled for you. Our brothers and sisters here um, at this table, the Lord is calling us to remember our story. We're brought in by grace, we're brought in by Him leaving our comforts. Um, if you've forgotten your story and you haven't included people in your life, the communion. It won't let you forget for very long because he reminds us how we were brought in and today we need to receive it he says I'll give my body and blood for you I'll leave my comforts and I'll enter into suffering so that you could be included in now mosaic Jesus says to you your turn your turn your turn to make someone else feel embraced now it's your turn to leave behind partiality, and to embrace someone else in the gospel. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you know this Lord, I I invite you into this meal. If you don't know Jesus and you haven't received him, then please refrain from taking this meal. It really won't mean anything to you unless you know who he is. And so I don't uh, invite you in unless you know whose body and blood this is. But if you have questions about who that is, I invite you to please speak to me. I'd love to tell you about Jesus and how he'll change your life. But until you know him, please don't uh, be a part of this meal. Also another group of people I want to address is if you don't want grace, if you don't want the gospel of embrace, and you don't want to leave behind your sin, and you don't want to turn to Jesus, but you just want to keep living in sin, this meal is not for you. If your heart doesn't want to turn from sin to Christ, if you don't want to turn toward him, then don't take of this meal because this is an offer of grace embraced to you. But if you want to do that, if you want to leave behind um, partiality and you want to turn towards gospel embrace, this is the meal for you. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread like this and he broke that bread. And in doing so, he invited the disciples into his life and embrace them by grace. Because he didn't say, by what you bring to this table, I'll receive you. But he says, no, this is my body, and I'll break it for you. I'll break it so you could eat with me. I'll break it so you could come in with me. I'll leave my comforts to such a degree. I'll have my body broken for you so you could be a part of our communing family. This is my body broken for you. Mosaic, each time you do this, You do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup at the end of the meal and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. I promise I'll spill out my blood so that you and I, we could be together. I promise, that's what the word covenant means. It's my promise to you in my blood. I'll sign it with my blood that you and I will be together. You don't have to pay anything. I'll pay it with my blood. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, each time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to receive the embrace of the gospel in the meal of communion. Let's all partake in one family. Let's all rise and right before we respond, let me just pray as we rise to respond in praise. Father, we thank you for the gospel of embrace the gospel of embrace our lives are changed and I pray that you would change our lives now to be a purple cow community in this world everybody else receives people and embraces people depending on preferences depending on partiality but I pray that this meal this gospel would change us so that we would be a different community as we go out into the world God give mercy to us so that we could give mercy to others who are outcast in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all rise and let's respond to him in faith.